Get project. Mm-hmm. Project. <laughs> Even I, uh, <laughs> I know I've been trained to do that too. <laughs> Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of AT Banter. I, once again, am Rob Minot. And I am joined today by Steve Barkley. Hello. And Ryan Flurry. Hello. And also, we have another in-studio guest. This is, this is our, uh, our second in-studio guest, officially. Uh, today, we have Steph Kirkland, uh, the Executive Managing Director of the Vocali Descriptive Arts Society. Enter applause here. Enter applause. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's an honor to be your second in-studio guest. Well, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to it so far. So far. So far. So far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so far. I'm Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I know where the door is. Okay. That's right. That's right. It's not like uh, uh, Adam, who we had chained to the. That's right. Chained That's right. to the table. But I was going to say we did have our first uh, studio guest walk out on us. We did? Well, he's not here now. So. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. He got away. He broke through the chains. Imagine Steph's going to do the same later. Probably. Uh, okay. So, uh, Steph. Yes. Tell us a little bit about uh, the Vocali Descriptive Arts Society. Vocali is a nonprofit society that was formed after Kickstart Disability Arts and Culture started a descriptive program of its own. That was the first in Canada in 2009. They brought in a trainer from the United States, and I was part of a team to be trained uh, in audio description. And we described live theater for people who had vision loss. After two seasons of doing that, uh, they could no longer sustain the program. We were kind of growing at that point, and so they offered to transfer the equipment to us if we started a nonprofit society and continued the work, which we did. And so it's been now four years. We're still hanging in there, and um, we've grown quite a bit, describing theater, describing at um, the Arts Club Theatre is our largest theatre partner, and we also describe in Surrey at the Surrey Arts Centre in Richmond at the Gateway. We've described two full seasons at the Belfry in Victoria, and we're also describing at um, Bar on the Beach for the first time this year. And we've described, we've added um, all their events to our season, Pride, uh, the Pride Parade, which is coming up at the end of July, and uh, a few other events along the way. So we're responding a lot to community requests and demands as well. So you've pretty much been with it from the start. Yes, yes, as a describer first, and then managing the program for Kickstart, and then founding the society yes got it and what's so what is the training like to be a describer like that is it, is it fairly intense it was intense in, partly because due to time restrictions and and time and it's always time and money isn't it you know so because they had to bring in a um a, an instructor from the u.s because we don't this is non-existent it had been non-existent in canada before uh, our program began so we had to bring someone in and that costs money, of course. So it was an intense weekend, so a Friday evening, two, two full days of very intense work with a small group. 
And then, but that was just the beginning, you know, and then uh, the instructor was brought up for a second, more intensive, advanced session. And, uh, and so we um, then were able to put some of those uh, instructions into practice, and that's where we really started to learn. We got feedback from our listeners, and that was, uh, you know, probably the most instructive of all. And we were able to then adapt some of what we were taught to the actual practicalities of delivering this service to people so that it's useful for them. Right. You know? Yeah. How many describers do you have now? Um, if uh, we include myself, uh, and I only describe when my other describers aren't available, I have so I have five other describers and uh, myself right now. Mm-hmm. And are, are there a lot of programs like this in this in the states? Not like Vocali. I think we're we're following a model more like Vocal Eyes plural in the UK, which is a um, a nonprofit that uh, that serves many different organizations in the community. So we are a, like a community resource. So we've got this bunch of equipment. We've got some trained describers, and we are available then for a th- any theater or arts organization then to uh, employ us to describe their uh, performance or event. And do you find that a lot of theaters are interested in having you come and describe their events? More and more are, yes. And uh, the other other model then is for the theaters themselves to get their own equipment, to hire their own describers, and then pretty much just describe their own season. And I think that seems to be the case in the U.S. for the most part. And it's also what Stratford is doing as well in uh, Stratford, Ontario. The Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And so, and how long is the course or the training, rather, um, to to be a describer? Like, how long does it take? Well, most most of the trainings that I know of in the U.S. are about again that three day kind of introduction right. to the basic principles of description with some practice and and that kind of thing. Um, I think our colleagues in the in the U.K. may have a different kind of program. And I've just I just received a word that we my grant applications were successful to apply for. Um, uh, I just applied to create our own program to train describers. So I'm hoping that will be launched next year because we do need uh, more describers right here in BC. So we're expanding, and it's uh, we need to have the skills to fill it. And do you, do you find that you? Um like, do you practice? Like, just at, just when you're walking around, like, the grocery store, do you find yourself practicing in your head describing the cereal aisle? Not as much as I, not as much as when I was training and when I first started and when I was describing more now because I'm just, I'm so much more into the, uh, you know, writing grants and running the program that uh, I'm not describing as much. Uh, but you do go into a different part of your head and that very thing happens you know how do I describe and then you're in an interesting situation you know how would I describe that how do I how would I do that and describing things as they happen that's also great training and uh and very challenging you know yeah I think it's something that you take for granted like just in your everyday life when you're you know but but when it comes to well how would I describe this action or what this person is actually doing it must it must take a different part of the brain to really sort of be able to dissect that and then put it out there especially in a live event true true we uh we have the luxury of uh, with our theater partners because they have runs that are a few weeks long at least uh, uh if we're lucky <laughs> we get to observe the show 
a few times, um, and that helps us to write notes. And then as we're creating those notes, it's about determining what's the most important. You know, what's the most meaningful of all the information, of all that I'm able to see, what is the most important? Because I can't describe everything I see. Nobody would want to hear that anyway, and it's just not impo it's, it's impossible to do that in between lines of dialogue. So we have to choose the visual elements that are supporting the story and fit them in and find the right language as well to convey those actions to create, uh, so that the listener can, can create a picture in their own minds that is in keeping with the context of the action, so the world of the play, and it also may reflect the sensibilities of the character um, and, uh, and the quality of the action. Well, if it's done well, too, my wife and I saw Wicked in Las Vegas, and it was described, and it was just amazing, uh, the amount of detail that they go into describing the set scenery, um, you know, everything that goes on during that play. It was quite, quite amazing. Did they describe that just before the show? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and those sets are incredibly elaborate mm -hmm. and detailed. Mm -hmm. Kind of taking a step back, um, what's what's the process like? Like when you when you come on board to describe a show that's coming up, like how closely do you work with with the troupe? I mean, you mentioned that that you get to work with them maybe in rehearsals. Do you ever have access to like the script or like do you, how much work sort of ahead of the show is done? Mm -hmm. There's quite a bit of work done ahead of time. We are given a script and then the describers are uh, allowed to view the show live uh, when it's already open. So before, uh, you know, after rehearsals. And so we, then we get the audience response as well, which is very important because we want to be able to convey the, make sure that the laughs are also conveyed if the, if it's, if the laughs are based on physical actions so the describer views the show three times at least and then works with the script and makes notes on all of the action and also all of the design elements, the set characters and costumes, because they will do an introduction prior to the show and give some of that information uh, when we do our sound check as well. So it takes, it, there's a minimum of 20 hours of preparation, minimum for each show. And then uh, if it's a longer show, like the Bard shows are almost three hours long. And so with 20 characters and it's a, it's a significant <laughs> amount of, of preparation that goes into those shows. And is it generally mm -hmm. one describer per show or, or do do two describers sort of sign on to one show so that they can fill in for each other or how does that work? We used to, when we, the model that we were trained under, there were, we worked in partners, a, a pair of, uh, pairs of two. So one person would be responsible to, for the act one description, one person would be, then that person would then choose to describe the set or the costumes, and the other partner would describe act two and do whichever the set or costumes that the first person wasn't doing. And we did that for a while, and I, as a describer, I just found that very frustrating and actually more challenging because we had to, it seemed there was a lot of work to do. And then added on top of our preparation, we would, you know, could we find the time as partners to get together and compare our notes and com come up with a common vocabulary and all of that? That was very challenging. And uh, so I had, so I suggested that we split it up so that one describer do just the design, the pre-show notes, and then one describer do all of the action just to save my so I felt that I had some sense of completion in one of those areas 
And I tried that with a, with uh, one of my uh, describers, Rick Waynes. We were the first to sort of try this out because he was open to that as well. And when we did that, we the feedback that we actually got from our listeners was, oh, wow, there was just one, you went all the way through and it was, it made a big difference to me. There was just that one consistent voice all the way through. And when we heard that most people preferred that, that was really what got our other describers on board to try it. It's not just my own pre personal preference. <laughs> but uh, So that's the model that we're working with now. It's one, one describer voice for the whole show. Well, it kind of makes yeah. sense, too, because when you're, when you're, I'm sure when you're experiencing a show like that, you develop a relationship with the narrator as much as you develop a relationship with the characters of the story. And so I, I can understand how that that would be the case. It's true. And, and people have different styles. You know, we have, uh, of course, with their different uh, gender uh, as well. If you have a female describing Act 1, a male coming in to describe Act 2. But aside from that, there are different sensibilities. Some, you know, we just, we can't really describe things objectively. You know, and so our own subjective filters are going to come through and, uh, and our own vocabulary and our own sensibilities. And so that's what we're, we are giving you that. We are giving you um, our perspective on this show. And we, we want to do that in a way that supports the production and the story as much as possible. But we're, you're still going to get, you know, the flavors of the, the filters of the describers in there for sure. Have you ever had to describe a show that you just really didn't like? <laughs> you know, surprisingly, not. I even There are some shows that I've... I've worked on that in my, on the first viewing, I thought, Oh dear, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, hmm, how am I going to, you know, cause we can't editorialize or, or yeah. comment in any way, you know, on, on what we're, what we're watching. And the poor um, actor walks on stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit critique or, or let it come into your voice in any way. It's bending over there, <laughs> unless it's you know reflecting of, of of the story as opposed to my own opinion of of what he might be doing. Um, I find that after I watched these, even these questionable uh, shows or the ones that I had hesitations about, by the time I got to describe them, I was in love with them in a way. You know, there's something about watching. I have a theater background too, so I'm often watching my colleagues, people that I know. Um, but I've done this, and I know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to put on a show, even a bad show, what might seem like a bad show. But watching it again and again, just I just have the, my appreciation just grows and grows, and my ability, act, my actually my ability to see what the director and the company are trying to achieve increases. And so by the time I describe it, that is what I'm communicating. And so while the, the critical pants have just like fallen off, you know, it's really, I'm, I'm there and I feel like I'm part of the company and I'm part of that show. Well, yeah. in a big way, you, I mean, you really are. I mean, yeah. you're, you're like, you know, an unseen performer, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we're really doing our jobs, you know, what we really aim for is that even someone who had vision, if they were listening to our description, would find their experience enhanced, that it wouldn't be distracting, that it, they, it would enhance their experience. That's the kind of the gold bar that we're, that we aim for. Right. Yeah. I know I've, I've had uh, feedback from uh, people who've seen the shows at the, uh, the Belfry mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of times when somebody with a visual impairment has, has been using the equipment, they've had somebody else who is sighted sitting beside them, just trying it out and, and 
the feedback was that it was it was excellent and that uh, it, it really did enhance the the show for them. That's great to hear. While we're on that topic, can I just take this opportunity to thank you, Steve and Aroga, for your support of the live description program in Victoria? Here. We wouldn't have happened without you. Thank you. <laughs> thank welcome. you I wish we could so much. Carry on with it for yeah. the time being. Mm-hmm. But, Money, money's tight. Buy things. Buy, things. I know. Buy lots of things from Aroga. <laughs> There's my shameless plug for I the know, show. I know it's tight everywhere, but thank you so much. You know, the, the, our patrons in, in Victoria and the Belfry, very appreciative. Excellent. Well, we were happy, happy to do it, and hopefully we'll be able to do it again in the future. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, talk to me about the, the, the idea, the notion of, of live description versus, say, normal descriptive audio like there's there's mm-hmm. there's a, a, a subtle difference between the two is there not well it's just the luxury of having something on tape you know so it's it's fixed it's timed and you have in the film and tv industry usually more money you may not have more time but you've got more money so you can hire professional writers to go through the script and the recorded material and create the best script possible best description possible and then you can also hire professional voice talent to match the action as best uh, and you know according to your artistic sensibilities and then that talent reads the script and then you can record and edit and you know re-record it and so everything is timed perfectly and uh, you know it's so there are certain advantages for sure in getting you know a perfect polished product in that way um and you need the equipment, technology, and all of those things to go with it. So we are the very low tech version. And then when we do it live, it's 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 live, and you know, like theater, it's uh, you know, the, I call it you know, MacGyvering is like actually one of my skills. You know, we just uh, and then we, you know, you learn that in the theater. You know, when you don't have um, the full gold throne and velvet capes, you know, you you get the spray paint and you do whatever you can to create the impression of that and uh and you make it work and so we have equipment that i refer to affectionately as tin cans and string it's very you know it's very low tech it's battery operated uh, radio equipment really it's fm uh, uses an fm signal and it's affordable it gives us a, a tremendous amount of flexibility and um when we're describing we you know, we are creating the script, we were voicing it, and there is a real art to delivering the description uh, in terms of timing, but also in terms of the the words that we choose, and then and also our vocal inflections and how we choose to enhance uh, the description that way. So there are all these different levels that we're working on. It's And it's very... It's incredibly rewarding when it works. We can kind of feel when it works, when the timing is just right, and we just kind of nail it. Especially, the most rewarding for me when I when I do nail a laugh, when I'm just you know when we're describing a farce or something like that, and it's a really complicated bit of business. And I worked and worked to find the wording that's just the right wording at the right timing, and so that everyone can share the laugh at the same time. And that's when I feel that land. It's just so gratifying. Mm-hmm so gratifying right and i guess i mean with live theater there are things that are going to change and that are going to be done differently from night to night does that ever throw the describers for a loop like do you ever are you have you ever been really surprised by the actors doing something that they didn't do the night before and it screws you up 
Well, things things do happen because it's live. So and. Um, uh, you, you have to be on your toes. So even though we're prepared, we have a script that we uh, use as a guide, and we have to be watching all the time as well. So, and there are there have been a couple of instances. Um, in The Odd Couple, there was a scene where Oscar was at the poker table with his buddies, and their the sandwiches are, you know, going around the table, and Oscar grabs the, the plate away from Felix, and the pickle... Um, went flying and normally it just went you know it just sort of fell off the, it would just sort of fall off the stage into the gap between the audience and the stage this time it, you know it landed on an audience member <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then the and then you know and the the, the the actors paused a moment and then you know kind of carried on and then the audience member threw the pickle back on stage <laughs> another big laugh and then one of the characters the, one of the poker players of course saw the pickle land on the carpet and then bent over, picked it up, and took a big bite out of it. <laughs> just the house, and of course the audience, just this huge reaction. So, you know, we absolutely want to describe these things when they happen. And it turned out, of course, that, that one of the people in the audience that was hit with the pickle was one of our patrons, Darwin. And it was just, and so it was, we were congratulating him for providing one of the, one of the, larger laughs in the show and although it was a very funny show to start with but um, so that was a lot of fun and another farce that you know a doorknob fell off just at the right time you know so these things can happen and often they, it really adds to the show actually yeah. right yeah so it must be a little stressful that describing you know having to be sort of on on your toes for the entire run of the show there's you can't really get complacent i guess oh no i mean there's some it, again it depends on the show um there's some shows that are very uh, the dialogue driven and there's you know there's not a lot of action and maybe just a few characters um, to, uh, educating Rita was was like one example where there were many scenes there and it was uh, one location his office pretty much and uh, and the two of them you know were just conversing usually in his office and there wasn't a lot of it was naturalistic so there wasn't you know any trapezes flying in or anything unusual happening um, in most of the scenes but occasionally there would be so it's in that case the challenge is not to drift away to too much in between descriptions and other shows uh, the Shakespeare that I just described Romeo and Juliet on Sunday and it was I couldn't you know take my eyes off anything for, you know there's so much going on all the time it's such a big show so yeah and I do I usually stand for the whole sh just to kind of keep my energy up yeah and you don't describe every night the show of, of the show's run, do you, you, mm. you pick and choose? No, we because of resources. We mm. so we choose one performance, and um, I know that's not convenient for everyone. But we try to give uh, all our dates as far in advance as we can, so people can plan. And that one performance is uh, is the is the one that we describe. And if demand increases, you know, we may be able to describe uh, a second performance, perhaps of more popular shows. Right. Um, so that's uh, that's where we are. That's where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And so, typically, like any one genre, more challenging than the other. The other that, like, I can imagine that maybe describing something like Romeo and Juliet is very different than trying to describe, I don't know, Newsies or something, right? Like, mm -hmm. like a, maybe a musical would be would be a little bit more challenging because there's more choreography, there's more going on. Is that the case? Well, it depends on the. Production as well depends on how they what they've decided to do. Uh, 
you know, uh, they can add in all kinds of things unexpectedly that aren't necessarily written in and, you know, um, but the, uh, musicals can be challenging as well because we've got if we've got big choruses and lots of different locations and again big casts big casts are challenging big casts in lots of locations so they miss that was challenging um, and and in that way Shakespeare is also challenging because of all the locations all the characters and keeping those characters straight is uh, so that we, that's part of what we do for in in um, in those for those plays is uh, insert the character names just to kind of uh, help people along because uh, when I'm watching it's because as when I'm watching it visually I have the visual cue of who that character is but if you're just listening and there, there are that many voices and some of them are similar it can be hard to follow so you know we pop the names in when it's not obvious do theaters or troops do they do they generally come to you guys or you, do you guys go to them and say hey do you want do you want your play described, or how, how does the, the process of that work? Initially, um, the Meg Torrell was one of the was the coordinator of the program initially at Kickstart, and her all of her groundwork uh, really laid uh, the the foundation for what we're doing right now. And she was um, instrumental in in going to the theaters in Vancouver and you know North Vancouver. She went everywhere. To, to sell this program and was successful at the Vancouver Playhouse, which is where we described our first uh, show, The Miracle Worker, in 2009. And then the Arts Club came on board as well with the shows at the Stanley. So with the Playhouse and the Stanley and then the Gateway and I think we had Presentation House in North Van. So that was the first season that we started with. So um, by the time I came on board, uh, on board with the um, managing the, the uh, doing the project management, we were able to maintain these relationships, and then after and to expand onto Gram onto the Granville Island stage once we lost the Playhouse, and then um, I've been so overwhelmed running a nonprofit that I haven't been able to really go out and solicit a lot of uh, new partners. But what has happened when someone has requested, for instance, we had uh, requests from Surrey, um, actually a board member, Linda Weber, uh, who wasn't a board member at the time, said, well, are you, what about describing in, in Surrey, in the Surrey Arts Centre? And when I, I, so I contacted the Surrey Arts Centre and told them about our program. They replied right away. They were right on top of it. I went out there, we did an equipment test and they were right on board. And we actually did our very first touch tour out there in 2012. So, uh, so when I get a request like that, I will follow up on it right away. And uh, I had many, I've had many, many requests for Broadway across Canada shows at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. These are the newsies and so on. And we right. we've haven't we've been able to do two uh, shows, Wicked and The Lion King, because they had longer runs, and also because of community demand. The Queen Elizabeth Theatre is a roadhouse essentially, so they don't really have a lot of control over what gets described and so that's the incoming show the producer right. and because the community was so keen and I said you know please just contact them <laughs> if you really want it let them know and uh, they did so the Queen Elizabeth then contacted the producers at Broadway across Canada who then got in touch with me and said hey we're hearing about what's going on here audio <laughs> you know tell us about this description thing and so we were able to uh, then work out a partnership for those two productions and now I notice that their seasons are 
quite a bit shorter runs at the at the Queenie of 10 days or less so th- right. that makes it a little more challenging but I'm still I haven't given up and our, <laughs> our equipment our equipment also have, faces some challenges in that huge theater so that's something else that I'm working on and then there's t- the ticket price issue so there are few uh, larger uh, hurdles barriers at that venue with those shows but I am working on those because I know those are the shows that everyone wants to go to and, and we definitely want to describe them so we're still working on that are you going to be yeah. doing the uh, Book of Mormon Oh, I wish. No, no, again, that's got, then, you know, it's still got a short run. It's like just less than yeah, two weeks. So because of that, it's, it's, it's hard to get the describers in and then, you know, to get our group in and to get any kind of discount, it would mean for us to get, have uh, the, the most time to, dis- to, to prepare our description, then we would want to set our schedule, our description for the last weekend, which is you know, when they want to, you know, I guess it's, it's harder to get the inventory for discount seats and that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, I think that show is almost sold out already. So yes. So I, I'm I hoping it'll, for my wife. yeah, I'm hoping it'll come back maybe for a longer run. And, and, um, anyway, and so we, and we'll see what we can do if there's anything we can do with these shorter run, uh, visits, but right. uh, something I'm working on. Yeah. You mentioned touch tours. Can you elaborate as to what those are? Yes, touch tours are again. These are something that um, I know our colleagues in the in in London that where they have um, an amazing program there. They really set the bar for me and are my kind of um, model. You know that I has inspired me uh, all along, and still they still do. They the um, they offer touch tours at many of their theaters before the show. So there are a lot of theaters in London that have, um, you know, they have their own venue, of course, and they have a bar. And so it's easier for them to uh, have a tour an hour and a half or so before curtain. Um, uh, patrons are brought into the theater and then they're given a tour of the stage and props, costumes, an introduction, uh, maybe to even some of the cast members. Right. So we, of course, were keen to do the same thing here, but we have a little, there's a few more restrictions here with unions and again, money and so on. And it's, so what we've found was, uh, well, you know, well, what about after the show? Could we do something after the show? And it, that seemed to be possible. So people are essentially volunteering their time after the show. And that's, again, what people can be a little more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Nobody's worrying about the prop or costume having to be preset somewhere. Right. And um, so that's what we're doing. So we wait until the audience clears. We bring our uh, vocal line members close to the stage, just do a little introduction there and bring out some props, costumes, and then bring people onto the stage. We just did that with uh, Romeo and Juliet. And many of the members of the cast, I was so surprised, came out to 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 uh, join the touch tour to answer questions they were bringing their props and costume pieces out and um it, the the crew the staff the cast they were just wonderful in their participation so generous with their time on a on a two show day and uh, the patrons seemed to just be thrilled with that experience i need to ask some of our page some of our patrons have um, experienced both touch tours before the show and touch tours after and so i I need to consult with them about the benefits and of both i'm hoping that uh, after the show is is at least a good substitute if not perhaps perhaps there might be some advantages well before before the show the costumes aren't sweaty 
<laughs> well, this is true. This is true. Well, they don't let us touch the sweaty costumes, but <laughs> especially some of those Shakespearean outfits. That's right. <laughs> Falstaff's padding. Yes, I mean, I thought I was wondering if they were, if they had two sets. I thought they may have two sets, and then we could. But they they just they, just, they do just work with one. Hmm. So we're going to get a measuring tape, and you know. <laughs> And I noticed on the website there a mention of a theater buddy. What can you explain it to us? What what exactly a theater buddy is? A theater buddies are our volunteers who've been trained in basic sighted guiding techniques, and they're available to meet our patrons who normally travel alone, and who uh, may find getting to some of our venues a little tricky, especially our venues on Granville Island. When we first started. Um, describing there and when I asked some of our patrons they said would you you know what about Grandma Island would you go there and they said oh no it's too tricky it's too hard to get to and and this is this again this was one of the barriers that came up for for our patrons so how to address that so what um, our patrons who would like a guide then if they can make it to a transit stop so for our arts club and Granville Island uh, theaters the meetup location is Broadway and Granville so it's fairly easy to get to by transit. And then from there, they meet their buddy, and then the buddy escorts them to the venue, assists them with their tickets and their seating and their equipment, and then escorts them back up to the meetup location after the show. So, and so in general, like how many volunteers do you have? We have, um, we have probably have... Uh, at least a dozen volunteers some but again it's availability and and uh, this dictates also our describer rotation as well and not everybody's available right. uh, for every show um, so and we only have so many comp tickets from our theater partners as well for buddies so we're you know limited and our demand right now has been you know we're not sure uh, uh, from show to show how many requests we'll get so right. we kind of we tentatively book in two buddies for each show and then um we're going to play it for, play it by ear and uh with bard on the beach being a little even trickier we're, we're kind of working with a ride share program but i don't know this is a it, this is again it's i have these ideas and then trying to <laughs> put them into practice trying to realize them is uh, you know again a, a whole other thing you know but it, it would be great if we had our own little vocalized shuttle i would love to have that you know where we could just yeah pile in people uh at the meetup location and take them to to easily take them to bard on the beach right. or the pride parade or theater under the stars or or wherever we could you know um so that's on, that's on our wish list if anybody there out there so we've talked a lot about theater. Mm -hmm. um, what mm -hmm. other events uh, in the city do you guys are you guys involved in? Well, we're excited to do the Vancouver Pride Parades. This will be our second parade. Um, Rick and Terry are our designated Pride Parade describers, and they're our most senior describers as well. So they worked as a team last year. So we found a way again, MacGyvering our equipment to take a, a two mac a two microphones at once, and so they. Um, sort of tagged off on the um, description of all of the participants. Uh, we were given a, it's called a parade Bible. So it's a listing of all the participants with a, with brief descriptions. So one of the describers would read that description and then the other would desc actually describe the appearance 
of of their float or their of their participants. And then we just went back and forth. And they have, of course, they have a great relationship together as well. So there was a lot of uh, friendly banter between them, and and it was um, it was really a, a fabulous event. And and the feedback we we received was was great. So we're look, really looking forward to that again. And um, and we also described the ghost train for the first time okay. last year, the ghost train in Stanley Park. That was a lot of fun. And. Um, what else are you doing? You use your spooky voices when you're doing <laughs> spooky voices. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. We want to. It's called sympathetic voice. Yes, we do. <laughs> See, Steve, you could be. Anyway, you could do this. Right. You could be a. You could be a describer. That's right. Absolutely. Take me out to the fireworks or something. Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing we're doing now. That just thank you for mentioning that. So, another request that came from, um, actually, from one of our board members, Colin Van Uschelen, asked if we'd ever thought of describing fireworks, and I thought, uh, no, I, you know, I mean, I would actually honestly never occur to me, and that was a kind of wake up call for me right there. Just like, oh, how many assumptions am I making about what people with vision loss might find interesting to have described? You know. So, you right. know, hey, take a note here. I, I, I think Rick and I, our service manager, Rick, could probably find you the perfect person for uh, the fireworks. <laughs> we were at the fireworks one year, and there was this woman who was behind us, and she was on something. I don't know, I don't know what she was on, but she hollered through the fireworks, and every time one went up, she'd go, Hire! Wow! She was just so enthusiastic about every firework that went up. Um, yeah. She was hysterical. See, really, she's, she's a born describer. Oh yeah, she she really added to the experience for me. So, wow. <laughs> and you're cited. Yeah. yeah, there you go. See, that's that's that, that the level of description that yeah, we're looking just for. Enhance yeah. the experience that much more. Colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when we tried it out, well, and I tried it out, and I tried to you know our basic verbal description technique. I I was not very happy with it, and Colin, although he was polite about it, I don't think was very happy. I you know just I couldn't get it to sound anything like a bunch of stream of jargon uh you know you get caught in the play-by-play don't really you can't really get the sense of the big picture or all the other elements that are going on in that kind of visual display that's so rich and layered and um you don't need an education in fireworks like what the fireworks are. And well, I did do that. I, I actually um, talked to Colin about that because he knows a lot about fireworks. And I did research on the the names of the shapes and all of that because he was familiar with them. And But I found I was just repeating the, those names over and over again with, you know, throwing right. in some color and then, you know, and uh, but I couldn't also at the same time describe the quality of the of the effect the layering the rhythm the the, the location because there, there are effects that happen on lower uh, on the barge and then higher in the sky um and uh, the level of saturation I, I couldn't you know begin to bring any of that uh to bear so it wasn't until there was a, a huge blast of effects it was sort of the the culmination of the set and uh most of the embers had uh, disappeared except this one big chunk that was still glowing and falling very slowly and i was just, I describing it just verbally like this and and uh and colin said oh is it still falling i said yeah he said trace out the, the rate on my arm and until until it disappears and so i did that and it kept going and going and going and going and going until poof there it was in the water and so for both you know both colin and myself at that time like that was the most satisfying accurate 
description, you know, of the evening I felt. And so we got thinking about that and like, how can we take that further? And so the largest canvas on the body is the back. And so if the person with vision loss is sitting uh, facing the fireworks, then the sighted person behind them drawing as best they can, you know, with their hands, uh, these effects and giving them a sense of, again, the intensity, the location, the shape. And then we have our voice available to, uh, to, um, enhance the shapes as well, to reinforce the shapes, to add color and to, um, to add some poetic imagery as well. And instead of just the literal uh, labels, you know, like it's like a haystack on fire or a river of tears or, you know, whatever you, wow. the kind of the feeling that the, the describer gets, there's a, the, they're open to whatever comes to their minds. Can you as give well. us a sample of, of describing over, a firework? Uh, verbally, mm. well, I just I, uh, uh, haste, <laughs> flaming haystack, uh, uh, you know, in the poetic sense. But the, some of the the technical t- names are flower names. The peony is one of the most common, and so that is the, the it's like a it's a sort of a puffball. So when we the stars, which are the bright points of light that explode from the center, create a. Um, around uh, sphere outside of the explosions and they don't have a trail behind them so that's the difference between a, so a p that's it would be a peony which just has these stars in the sphere and the chrysanthemum then explodes out into a sphere but it leaves trail each star leaves a trail as it moves outward so i would be doing that with my fingers doing the the center um explosion and the stars shape or uh, dragging my fingers out for the trails right, right. that kind of thing and then i would speak you know red chrysanthemum golden you know golden peonies you know silver does the um the the timing of the explosion because you get the the light first and then you get the the boom that follows does that mm-hmm. throw you at all when you're trying to describe? There's so much going on. We really have. We really <laughs> just try to get in as much as we can. Right. And again, it's attention based uh, to to focus again on what's most interesting more, the to to describe the effects, um, the new effects. Uh, so we get the common ones. You get used to that. You get that vocabulary kind of happening. Right. And then they'll do something really kind of spectacular. And so you spend more time. You know, what is that? What is so spectacular about that? You know, the size of it. Is it, you know, the the, the shape or, you know, and try to find a way to convey that. Um, yeah, it's got to be incredibly challenging. Really challenging. Yeah. Because there's no we, rehearsal. There's no, no. you just, you got you to gotta be on your feet. Yeah. The entire time. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and yeah. it's such a... a profoundly visual mm-hmm. medium that's that's tough it is and we've wondered if it would be at all useful but the feedback that we've received is that it does stimulate um the vision in, in the the receiver's uh mind you know there it's about them being able to paint a picture and if they have a memory of fireworks as well mm-hmm. um and those are the people that we've worked with uh on this project so far we haven't brought in people, although we have invited people who have um, been born without vision, to to try this out to see if it would be at all 
useful, but that, the, there's not much interest so far right. to to, um, to to try it. But uh, but that would be the next level to see. You know, is it um, does it bring you anything? Because what for Colin was such an important part of of having the fireworks described is not only does it remind him of many times that he's enjoyed the fireworks when he was sighted, but it's uh, an opportunity when the public comes together at this free event and to be included in that event. You know, when he's he's mentioned a number of times being on the beach and everything goes quiet and, you know, that, that sense of suspension or when people gasp and there's just this incredible response and he doesn't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. And to be, you know, to be left out of that and how, you know, so when you're included, it makes a huge difference. And we've also had that kind of feedback as well at the Pride Parade, you know, to be included, you know, to know what's going on. Right. To not be, you know, just at, at sea, left at sea and not understanding what's happening, what people are laughing at, what's, you know, what's going on. So. And are there any events uh, that are going on in the city that are kind of on your on your wish list or, or even any shows Wish list. Well, aside from our Broadway Across Canada shows, um, wish lists um, include, uh, well, sort of long range would be dance, and that would involve also kind of workshops and ex- more experiential opportunities for participants so that, that we could create a vocabulary together for the, for dance and they could actually experience some of the movements in their own bodies as well as being able to feel the dancers in 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 positions and speak with the choreographers and that kind of thing and that's kind of a long distance uh, wish um public art that's another that's been on my kind of back burner for a long time to be able to do public art tours where we would have maquettes because i know the 3d printing is becoming more accessible these days and if we could have smaller versions of the public art uh, installations that people could feel and we could also supplement that again with verbal description and then they could actually feel the work in person as well so that's you know again kind of a dream down the road for some reason <laughs> the, the idea of doing a uh, people of walmart uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh, keeps, yeah. keeps coming into my head you know just just sit at a walmart with people and describe what they're wearing yes <laughs> there's a woman in leopard skin spandex who is yeah yep. yeah well that kind of everyday description this is something that we were then in, in terms of the training that we're going to be creating you know this is on my wish list for my for that is that uh I can offer that kind of training for anyone, this kind of introductory, everyday description. So you don't need any special equipment for that. You know, you take a, uh, a partner uh, who ha- doesn't have vision out and, you know, you describe. And I think that's what a lot of people are already doing. And so um, they can enhance their techniques. And then for certainly for people who don't have those techniques at all, it's an opportunity to learn and to try it out. Talk a little bit about about the funding and like how how do you guys get funding or how how, how <laughs> you know that's a, probably a little question. It's magic. Oh, heavy lifting. Oh my goodness. If only it were oh, magic. Right? Oh, if only. Oh, <laughs> oi, the money tree. What I wouldn't anyway. Uh, the challenges. 
one of the biggest challenges we had, we faced initially as a, as a new nonprofit society is that we weren't eligible for anything for the first, you know, year. And then there's funding cycles and so on. So it was a year and a half before we actually received any funding at all. Wow. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was do or, it was do or die. I am not killing, not kidding you. Um, and we were able to get that funding in a couple of ways. Uh, we went, we were luckily received a, um, fiscal sponsorship from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So as a chapter of the, of the CCB, who has, um, you know, a similar mandate toward, you know, that we have for increasing, um, social and recreational activities for people who have vision loss, you know, it's kind of a natural fit for us. So to have their fiscal sponsorship as a charity then allowed us to apply for a foundation grant and uh, our application to the Vancouver Foundation was successful. It was our first successful grant and we owe everything to the Vancouver Foundation. I tell you, I would not be here without the Vancouver Foundation. It was their confidence that really... Um, yeah, allowed us to continue. And uh, so with that grant, I was then able to apply for, um, we won't, because we've been operating, so, so, as you can call it. So then I was eligible to apply to the city and to the province gaming. But these are only project grants because as a new organization, you know, that's all you can do. And right. so, so I was successful with project grants, but it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, there are only so many project grants you can apply for. So now we're at a point where we need to get some more core funding because we have a year long, um, program now. It really, it's nonstop. It's, it's, it's all year round. And, uh, so, so that's the next phase. And so my fingers are crossed that, um, that we'll be able to jump to that next phase. Yeah. Right. I understand. But you do do some fundraising events. Oh, our, with, the, years, with, the, right? without our board members doing Tales from the Blind Side, where would we be with that? that because this is our, um, the Moose is Down Under is our uh, sponsor for that event. And uh, this is when we didn't have any money coming in our first year. That was really that kept us afloat. And um, Anaroga again has donated some wonderful uh prizes for our fundraising efforts. So Tales from the Blind Side is uh, a very special, um, you know, kind of event that's close to my heart because we are telling stories from the community. Uh, people who have vision loss are telling true stories and the, that everybody needs to hear. And, uh, and it's a great event. Um, and we've been able to raise uh, some significant funds through that, uh, through that event. And it's happening this year, November the fifth is November our, the fifth. Our next one, yeah. And that's a lot so, of fun. I've been there the last exactly. two years, and I got to get these guys out because it, it sure. is, it's a lot of laughs. Yeah, you got to get you telling some stories as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, when is your next one? It'll be Saturday, November the fifth. So it's actually Guy Fox Day. Are the last three uh, um, tales from the line side? Um, we're in September. We've had to shift our time line because of uh, conflicts at, at Moose's. Uh, so this is a more convenient time for them. And, and uh, because they're such fabulous, generous hosts, we're going with uh, the November slot. And um, and once again, uh, Linda and Amy are going to do an awesome job getting fabulous prizes. I don't know how they do it. They, they get wonderful prizes from uh, many, many local businesses and uh, supporters in the community who donate fabulous things and uh 
and we have a great time. It's just one of my favorite uh, favorite evenings. And the food doesn't stop coming. The food isn't it fabulous? <laughs> and the and the service, the staff. I just love. I love that night. It's a it's a wonderful time. So. Well, be so, there. That's on my calendar. Be there. Yeah, Yay. Excellent. Oh, excellent. Yeah, tickets will probably go on sale, I don't know, probably in September. Yeah. And how much are tickets generally? They'll be $25. Yep, they're $25. Yeah. Um, I, I could eat $25 worth of nachos. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Easy. Yay. And there's door prizes and there's, yeah, there's all kinds of things, so. And, oh, actually, we should step back because I don't think we, we actually mentioned this, but, but mm. there's... There's no cost to uh, a patron who wants to use the service, is there? No, no, it's not. Everything is included. Uh, the only thing that we ask is that people become, uh, people, anyone who has vision loss, become a member of Vocalize, and, and uh, membership is free. Um, the reason we ask uh, for membership is because uh, that way we can, we have your personal information on file, and what that means is you can then use our equipment without having to leave a deposit because we just find, you know, with 20 people leaving their credit cards or, you know, ID with us, you know, right. it's just, uh, you know, it's just too risky. So, um, it, it, and it's too time consuming as well. You know, we've got a crowd at the table and we want to go home and we don't want to be rushing with your ID or taking any chances with it or, um, or delaying people unnecessarily. So we found it's much more streamlined. People just pick up their equipment and they can, and then they just drop it off, and we or, or we collect it at the end of the show. Right. So all of our services are uh, free to people, um, free to our members, and anybody who has vision loss, who is self-declared uh, with vision loss, such that our services can be useful to them, can become a member. So it's really easy, and we have a newsletter that goes out once a month that uh, an e-newsletter that lists all of our upcoming events. And any, um, we li try to list community events where we can as well from our uh, friends in the community and other arts-related uh, events that may be of interest. And so are you always looking for volunteers? or Yes, uh, for people who are interested in becoming a theater buddy or volunteering in, in that way or other ways. Yeah, and we definitely need people, yeah. Okay. Well, well, I mean, we'll we'll definitely link to the site in the show notes. And uh, is that is that the best way to to get a hold of you? Is is through the website, or do you have an email? Or we have an email is info i n f o at vocal i v o c a l e y e dot c a, or you can phone if you have, if a phone number is helpful. Sure, drop the phone number six zero four three six four five nine four nine. Perfect. Maybe say that one more time. 604-364-5949. Ring those phones. <laughs> <laughs> Wealthy benefactors take note. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Shuttle drivers and owners. Sure, so. <laughs> um, so are you, what other shows are you, are you guys doing this year? Well, we're really excited to extend our partnership with the Fringe Festival this year and describe, we're actually going to be describing one of the shows at the festival and that, uh, stay tuned for our August newsletter for the full details. Um, this expands on our sort of community access program that we, um, 
we were in consultation with the Fringe last year to find out how we could possibly make the festival more accessible for people who have vision loss. And because they have, uh, I think it's 70 shows over, I don't know how many, you know, 11 events, you know, it's yeah, over it's 10 days. I mean, it's a lot. And part of the fun is being able to run from show to show and, and, um, see as many shows as you can in a day or as many shows as you can over the course of the festival. So we couldn't possibly describe all these shows. Last year, what we did is we had consultants attend the festival to get a sense of what would work. So some of the things that we've come up with now as an accessible program where uh, we have, uh, it's in a spreadsheet format and it indicates which shows are, would be the most friendly for people who don't have vision. So they would be more text-based, not have a lot of visual elements to them. Uh, the show that we're describing is going to be, it's a musical with a lot of people in it uh, it's carry on the musical and it takes place at the YVR baggage claim and it sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun and we're really excited about that and uh, so that's a great candidate for description uh, and then the other shows that we'll list in the program will include shows that uh, people could attend without a describer and then the ticket pricing two for one so you can bring your companion at right. no charge and we're also looking at perhaps free fringe memberships for Vocali members as well and in, in, uh, in that partnership. Nice. So well. stay tuned. The August newsletter should have more details about that. There is one thing I can add. We're sure, doing something, something special that's coming up next season that's uh, a new location for us. And also a, uh, the premiere of a play written by... Uh, playwright with vision loss. So this really? is uh, so Ruth Bieber, who told a story at Tales from the Blind Side last year. You may remember, mm -hmm. and she has written a play called "To See or Not to See," and she is having it produced in Kelowna, and has uh, asked for it to be described. And she applied for a grant, and she got um, a little bit of funding. And so we're going to send uh, our describer Rick Waynes up there. In October, and I believe it's Saturday, October the 21st, the matinee, but the news will be coming out uh, in the September newsletter about that, and it'll be on our website as well. But just sort of a heads up that we're going to be describing something in Kelowna, and we're very excited about that. And it's also the premiere of, of, this, of this play um, from the community. Awesome. Yay. Now, um, your newsletter, is that, is that something that, that you just send out to your members, or can you sign up that through that through the website? Anyone can sign up to our newsletter Yeah, through the website. Mm -hmm. Very easy to do. Perfect. We'll link yeah. to that again. Thank you, Steph, for coming by. and uh, Thanks so much for having me. We have an email. Ryan, tell us about our email. Our email address is atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's our website, Steve? I don't know. Yes, you Ryan, do. what's our website? The website address is www.atbanter.com. And you can also visit us at Aroga Technologies website, which is, Steve? www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A. Perfect.com. I've been Rob Minow. I'm Ryan Fleury. I'm Steve Barkley. And I'm Steph Kirkland. And that is a wrap for us. We will see you all next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. 
That's A-R-O-G-A dot com. Music provided by bensound.com.